0: This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and they're screaming in the background on episode number 108. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast. The tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, mamas and daddies. It's Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com. It's actually ironic because I opened this podcast with the intro, there's screams in the background. That's actually unlikely that there will really be screams in the background in this podcast because this is one of the extraordinarily rare moments when I am home alone. I actually am not sure how often this phenomena has happened. Usually, if I need quiet, I go somewhere else, but I needed to teach a class earlier today and the kids had a Japanese lesson, so Scott took everybody to Japanese lessons, which means that I am here and it is quiet. But today, what we are talking about is working from home with young children, or it could also apply to you if you're a student, a full-time, full-time student, and you're trying to study, do research projects, write papers, that sort of thing from home. And one of the things that I feel has characterized my career as a work-at-home mom is screams in the background i cannot count the number of podcast episodes that there have been screams in the background on in fact it was just i think it was last week's podcast that at the very end i got through the entire episode every was everybody was quiet and then at the very end sadie lets out this blood-curdling shriek because she had not gotten her way uh, and i tried to mute that out <laughs> as much as possible because it was blood curdling but um um, but you might have heard that the podcast at the end got cut off just a little bit because I had to cut a tiny bit of me off to cut that out. but I just I feel like that characterizes so much of what I do. One of the reasons why I really love you as listeners and also students who are listening in live to my classes is Is any time Sadie or Corwin or Honor or Galen or any of the other babies that I've run this business with them in my arms or as they've turned into toddlers as Sadie is now running around, you always say, oh, I don't mind hearing that in the background at all, Kristen. And especially when I have babies, I often hear, oh, I love the little baby sounds in the background because you guys know that it's real, but sometimes it's frustrating for me, uh, as you can imagine. And I know that sometimes for you, it's a little bit frustrating when you're trying to work, especially if you're trying to complete a project by a deadline. Be at a deadline that you've set for yourself, that your employer has set for you, or that your professor has set for you. And I've had um, I've had a lot of different situations working from home over the years. I have done a lot of contract work, actually, uh, on the back end outside of I guess my public life when I'm talking to you on the podcast and very publicly teaching through naturalbirthandbabycare.com. Um, but I've also done contract work on the background for employers and sometimes I've really felt that my family situation has caused my work to suffer for them, especially it's it's a little bit easier with something like this where if my work suffers, uh, there's you know it's my work that suffers, but you feel really bad when it's a project for somebody else. or when you're in the situation that I'm in now, I feel a lot more pressure right now than I've felt in the past because uh, I had i, when I first started my website, my website was really what was paying the bills, but my expenses were pretty low. Um, then I married Scott, and he was working, and so that was what paid the bills. And what my business made was just was a little extra here and there. It actually allowed us to pay a mortgage off early. Uh, and then we moved out here, which meant that we took on another mortgage, and that's another podcast topic. But I would uh, I would recommend if there's any way you can avoid <laughs> having a mortgage, please do that. But that's another another topic, but, um, you know, so we have a little bit of a mortgage here. We, we rolled most of the city house into this here country house to sound country about saying it, but we still have some payments, but Scott was laid off. It's been over a year ago now. And at first we had a severance package that he got because he had been with this company for a long time and that helped us. But now it's pretty much all my income and I feel a lot of pressure because if I'm not producing then my family's not eating, and that's pretty stressful. And our hope our hope has been uh, for Scott to be home, that with him on the back end, and as many of you know, he's handling all the tech support, all the customer support, and he's kind of a wizard at all of that. You know, our hope was that we could grow the business, and freeing me from some of those things, some of especially the tech stuff, would actually allow me to be able to focus more on the creativity and the visioning and grow the business even more. But it also means that I feel uh, I feel a lot of direct responsibility for paying the bills and I know that a lot of you are in that same place. And I say this thinking my husband's probably going to listen to this podcast episode. So I just want to say to him, don't feel guilty, but it is you know because he says that I make comments like this and uh, and it makes him feel bad, but you know the reality is 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 that when one is a breadwinner or a primary breadwinner or even when it requires two incomes to put bread on the table, it's stressful. And when you're working on school, too, a lot of times you've got pressures. You're trying to get full time through school. You have a small student disbursement and you need to live on that and you know that you have to excel so that you can get a job often to pay off the student loans, to pay back all those disbursements. There's just there's a lot of situations where we really need to focus, and it's hard to think about how do we balance that with our family. So that's what I kind of wanted to talk about today. Uh, one thing that I wanted to talk about that I'm pretty excited about and it felt pertinent to share on this episode is, is kind of a case study project that I have going on. And what I'm what I'm doing with that is like I said with Scott taking over most of the technical back end I've been able to have more time to be creative and a lot of that I've put into really building up natural birth and baby care and the smart mama happy baby club but natural birth and baby care has a sister site called getting pregnant.com getting hyphen pregnant.com and I was able to put content on that site several years ago with a lot fewer children but really haven't been able to build it out and I'm feeling really passionate right now about I guess it's probably following up on the ultimate healthy living bundle which I mentioned to you a couple weeks ago um, but really following up on that and uh, How It it had a lot of resources for women who are trying to conceive, so I'm feeling kind of excited about that. And it seems like a good time right now for us to build up gettingpregnant.com, both to help our family's business and ultimately to help even more women. Because what I love the most is helping mamas and babies in any way that I can. I was able to attend a birth yesterday morning, which was just... So phenomenal uh, to be able to be, that's another thing that having Scott at home frees me to be able to attend some births and continue my midwifery study. And then I'm able, so I'm able to attend births. I'm able to help through natural birth and baby care. And I guess I kind of want to help and Smart Mama Happy Baby helps you with your baby. So I want to hit that whole continuum. And that's what I had envisioned for gettingpregnant.com when I bought that. Again, it's getting-pregnant.com. So there's a hyphen between getting and pregnant. So that domain has been really stagnant. That site's been really stagnant. I haven't done anything with it. So I'm planning to build that out into something bigger uh, in the next few months. And what I thought would be cool is I get a lot of questions like, Kristen, how do you do it? Or, Kristen, how do you set up a site? Um, a an authoritative side about what you're passionate about. And that's not necessarily birth and babies and and trying to conceive like what I'm passionate about, but you might have different passions. And so I decided to do this as kind of a case study. And so I'm running it as a case study through through my business's domain. So my business is Milk and Mud LLC. You've probably seen that on the bottom of some of the emails and things you've gotten from me. Um, and that so that site's milkandmud.com. But if you go to birthbabylife.com/content, you can sign up for the Milk and Mud newsletter and I'm going to do some of that case study stuff live. So if you're looking, and I'm going to also talk some about productivity and life as a work-at-home mom, just life as an at-home worker how do you balance that how do you work all that i'm going to like really dive deep into some of these topics and if you're interested in joining me for that journey you can check that out again the sign up you'll get a little content marketing planner to begin with because our i'm going to i want to build it on content marketing because it makes building a business accessible to everybody. It's not just for the Fortune 500, it's for everybody. So there's a little planner to get you started in a video to walk you through that. But you can check that out at birthbabylife.com content. It will take you right there. I'll mention it again at the end, but I'm only mentioning it because I'm really going to kind of dive deep into this topic over the next few weeks with that case study and also hopefully build up that website to where it's touching the lives of more mama hopefuls. But that's there if you want to check that out. Let's jump in now to talk about some practical strategies for what what is working at home or studying full time at home look like when you have young children? The first thing I really want to point out is working at home always takes an adjustment. I think it's not an easy adjustment for people to make, or for some people, it's really hard. One of the things that I think that you lose is accountability, and that can be really tough. I actually really feel and can empathize with those of you who are full-time students, especially if you're in an online program that doesn't have a lot of solid deadlines. Because when you have to put those deadlines on yourself and you're busy taking care of a family, it's really hard. It has been hard for me to keep up with my midwifery academics. Because the program that I chose doesn't have as much accountability. At first, I didn't think that would be a problem because I'm a very motivated person. I'm a very organizational type A person and I figured I'll set these goals for myself. I'll create the structure for myself and then it won't be a problem. But it actually is because having only me for accountability means I can procrastinate. And that's one of the things I like about Working from home, even for myself, like I do for NBBC and what I'm hoping to do with getting pregnant... Is that I do work for myself, and it's okay if I drop the ball on, say, something like a blog post, or even sometimes the podcasts. Many of you will remember while my mom was sick, um, the podcasts were kind of scattered just because I was so busy. And there's some grace there, but especially when you're producing classes and things for other people, and you say, "Okay, this is going to be here," you could drop the ball once or twice, but doing that repeatedly breaks trust with your audience and with your customer base. And so there is that external accountability there Uh, whereas with the school program that I've chosen there are quarterly deadlines but it's kind of uh, quarter is a long way away first of all and you also don't have to get anything in in a particular quarter they really just want you to get something in every year to show that you're doing it And that's hard for me. So if you don't have that external structure, it's tough. And oftentimes when we're working from home, we lose a lot of external structure that we would have had. Or even if you're doing an online degree program, sometimes you lose that external structure and you have to recreate it for yourself. One of the things that I think is most helpful to recreating that structure for yourself is creating a schedule. And I actually do have um, a work-at-home mom schedule planner that I am going to let you... Well, actually, I can include it with that um, with that content marketing planner. That's what I'll do. I can include it with that and let you have that. So you can go to birthbabylife.com slash content, and you'll be able to get it. And what it is, is is actually a couple of different schedules. It is a schedule that I was using earlier this year that worked for me like a work-at-home mom schedule. And then it it's also, I updated it just recently because I've swapped around my schedule to something that's working a little bit better for us. And at least at this point in life, another thing to remember is to be flexible. But that can help. And I'll come back to talking about schedules. But creating that external structure yourself is important. One thing that I think is really important is get up and get dressed in the morning. Have breakfast. I'm not doing really well with having breakfast. I've got the get-up thing down. But... um. You know, have some of that external structure so that you get up and start your day. That's beneficial for your kids, too. But remember that working from home always takes an adjustment. It's not just for those people with small children. But I would say that especially with young children, it's hard. And I'm often asked, how do I do it? So it really does. It looks different at different times. It has looked different at different times for me. I honestly... I'm not exactly sure how I did it when it was just me as a single mom. And I promise some of you have said that you would like uh, a little bit more of my personal story and our family's story. And on that, when I get to that podcast episode, you'll hear a little bit more about this. But there was a period of time when I was a single mom with three little ones. Um, And it was it was pretty much my work that was paying the bills. Now, we did have some help. Um, we qualified for food stamps, which in the United States is a program that helps buy groceries. So I didn't have to worry about buying groceries and I didn't have to worry about my kids' medical insurance, but I still had to pay rent. I had to pay electricity, I had to keep gas in the car, I had to keep the car running, um, all of those sorts of things. And and sometimes I wonder, how was I able to do that? I, I really do think that one of the things that helped at that period of time was only having three kids, relatively speaking, um, and also having a really nice set routine to the day. And also at that time, my business was very much in its infancy. I had a little one. My third baby was in his infancy, and my business was in its infancy. And I think a lot of what carried me on was uh, sheer enthusiasm and also a will for survival. I was fortunately not in that situation too long because it was in that period of time that I met Scott and then not too long after that we married and he brought a great measure of security to the family financially and and in many other ways. And so when Scott worked the way that I worked looked quite a bit different than it does now. And one of the things one of the things was that my business was definitely secondary, and so it was kind of treated as secondary. So I saw myself as a wife and a mother first. And it's it's hard for me to say that because I do still see myself as a wife and a mother first. But sometimes the reality of, of it being the business that pays the bills means that the business comes first in a sense. It's definitely, it's, there's definitely tension. That's a word that I've really been feeling like resonating with lately is there's tension and not in a bad way, but you're walking like this tension between work and family. Um, so when Scott was working, I typically did stuff with the kids all morning. I, I, And I think one of the things, one of the things that helped when they were little too is with younger children, you can have kind of a loose daily routine, but you don't necessarily feel like there's anything that you quote unquote have to be doing with them. Or if you do, it's, it's more like I need to read with them. I need to take a walk with them. And then you develop a daily routine that meets those needs. And I think there is some to it, like you want to teach them to play well together or to have an alone time. There is a podcast episode on teaching your toddler to have an alone time. That was definitely something that helped. Helped me having three kids in three different areas, having three different alone times at the same time, gave me a nice half hour block. That, after a couple of weeks of teaching them how to do that, was pretty predictable. And another t- trick, technique, strategy, whatever you want to call it, that I used was having them have play times together. So, maybe what would happen is one of them would have alone time while two others were playing together, and then we would kind of swap it off so that I ended up with a nice block of work time. But I didn't really work as much then. And I think that the business had some stagnation around that point, too. There were other things going on. that There are always external factors that happen with a business or with work that might make stagnation occur, especially with a business Um, and an online business, like algorithm changes and stuff, which to this day I feel were unfair because I feel like my site has always been a good resource. But there was, you know, it was definitely slower growth at that time, and part of that was the fact that I had, I was newly married again, and I had younger children, one child starting school, and we were homeschooling. And, uh, and we had a new baby on the way and then had a new baby. But once Galen was born, things, I mean, I really do feel like things went well. And I had our day organized so that the others would be occupied or playing nicely. And Galen, I wrote many, many, many a blog post with Galen sleeping on my back. He's really been the only baby that I've had that would do that so contentedly. But that was a strategy that I used. And so I would say that I worked for maybe an hour or two or three at the most, most days. Another thing that I did at that time, and I do not recommend this, is I worked like seven days a week. And so I was, I worked. Now, I didn't work so much in the evenings or I kind of multitasked in the evenings. But I did try and spend time with Scott in the evening, hanging out with him, watching a movie, playing video game or whatever with him. Um, but I kind of tried to, to squeeze in work when he was home. So that meant on Saturdays and Sundays, I would try and squeeze in work too. Now we always take a day off every week. We take Saturday off. That's our Sabbath day, our rest day. And I do not work on that day. So that's something that we've been doing for maybe a year and a half, maybe two years now. And I think that my business is stronger for it. But one of the ways that I did try and make up with sheer hours at that time when Scott was working, was by me working seven days a week. And again, if if we were to go back to Scott working outside the home, I wouldn't do that <laughs> again because I think that's a good way to lead to burnout. But but it just was really looking for for snuck in times uh, because homeschooling and just childcare and everything was the priority. But I also tried to intentionally arrange their day. So that there were periods of time when I could have uh, some uninterrupted time. And then in the afternoon when they were there was more free time. I've always been really big into teaching my kids, you can go outside to play, you can play. I've never liked relying on uh, electronic babysitters. There are times from time to time when we, when we will put in a movie for the kids. Especially if the weather has been nasty for a few days in a row. Or we'll st- let them stream video shows or something. Um, often from right now media because we like their stuff, but and then my older kids have Kindles now, which they, I mean they have restrictions on how much they can do game and app time, and really the only game they play is Words with Friends, which is kind of like an online Scrabble with Scott and with Grandma and with their aunties and stuff. Um, but they, you know, they have books and stuff on there, so we aren't like a totally anti-screen family. Obviously, screen time is big because I run an internet business. But I try not to let the screen time be what gives me time to run my internet business. I try to be more encouraging of outside time or books. With little ones, another good strategy is to have... Our office was completely baby-proofed, and I I had baby gates. I wasn't afraid to use them. I do not have a problem with baby gates, ladies. Um, So I would put a baby gate up so that they were kind of trapped in the room with me and I would work amidst the interruptions and the general chaos. That always means that you're not going to be as efficient or productive as someone who is able to just sit down in a quiet office and work. But I think that, you know, you can do it. If another strategy that worked for me then, that works for me now, is to find quiet times when the kids are in bed. I know a lot of people do that at night. I find that I'm usually exhausted at night. So for me, getting up early works. The only time it really doesn't work is when I'm pregnant, or at least in most of my pregnancies, especially early on. I've had a hard time getting up early. As I get farther in the pregnancy, sometimes I can start getting up early again. Um, But that's not, that's hard when you're balancing a pregnancy and need extra sleep. But, but nap times and early morning times for me are other times that I've worked. And when I've done contract work for other people, those are prime times to get that work done, especially the early morning time because I'm very fresh and my brain works well. Now, I do have a Bible time in the early mornings. I found a nice little system that works for me with that where I can read and get into the scriptures and not fall back asleep, which is something that was definitely a problem. But I've I've found a system that works. And then I usually have work time after that. So there's a little bit of me time, a little bit of just nourishing myself. And then there's that early morning time. That's something that has worked very well. When I have a newborn baby, it's harder because the baby often wants to be up and nurse, which makes it hard to kind of type. Uh, but I've gotten pretty good at having a boppy and a baby latched on and being able to type. That's just a skill you develop as a as a working mom or as a student mom I think. Um, so I will I will often have the baby in. And my lap on the boppy and the laptop kind of balanced to the side where, I, and then type away. So that's something, those are some, some times that work well. The alone times, the playtime together times, the outside times, the early morning time, the nap time, those are times to look at. And again, especially when you're trying to balance that schedule it's often broken up it's not solid unbroken blocks right now i've got usually have a little bit more luxury i feel like there's a lot of stuff that interrupts but usually have more luxury for open, unbroken times but um but those are things that work for me like i said i'm going to share some schedules with you that that can possibly help you balance another thing that might help is if you've got a spouse that's working when they are home from work And this is something that you've got to sit down and negotiate. And even for my family, it's been hard. It's been hard to honor that, I think, because we as moms kind of feel like we need to be in the middle. And if there's a conflict going on, oh, my gosh, we have to step in and solve it. Or it's hard to focus when you hear those screams in the background. Um, and then I think too, for especially for dads or for someone who's not the primary care provider, sometimes it's really hard for them to swap out of that, oh, let me come get mom to solve the problem mode. And so you're getting interrupted, but try and find a way um, that, you know, okay, you come home, you veg out for a little bit, we have supper, and then maybe for an hour or so I'm going to be able to work something like that. It really depends on what your situation looks like, what his hours look like, but that can help. And another thing that can help if you want to try an arrangement like that is to have a quiet study or work area set up. For instance, I always record the podcast at a desk in the corner of our bedroom. Now I am it's it's actually just a docking station. so there are monitors on the desk, but I bring my laptop in and plug it up. It doesn't have a computer set up in here because my actual desktop computer is out front, more in the family area. But when I want to record a podcast or in my morning work time, when I want to be interrupted as little as possible, then I come in here and record. Now, usually when I'm recording, I shut the bedroom door, which is very nice. If I really want to do intense work, I shut the bedroom door. If I'm doing something that's not quite as intense, like graphics, um, you know, doing social media graphics, or just doing outlines that don't require quite as much work as writing or recording, then I will often leave the doors open. My older kids know that they should not come in here without permission. That's a mama and daddy's bedroom rule. That's not a necessarily a talk rule. is that, But they need to ask permission. They can't just wander in here whenever they want throughout the day because this is my space. But Sadie is 20 months old as I'm recording this, and she's a little young to understand that. And I think it helps her, too, to be able to wander in and out. So I will sometimes have the door open when I'm working. And I have a little bag of toys that are her age appropriate that sit beside the desk. And sometimes she pulls those out. And sometimes she does other stuff that she probably should not do, like climb up in my bed and jump around, that sort of thing. But generally, it's okay. Now, your kid's temperament might be completely different. And you might always have to shut the door. But I'm just sharing what's worked for me. With that, but definitely having the quiet place that I can go works. I'm also probably—I'm not really embarrassed to admit it, but maybe I should be—the uh, number of business calls that I take while pacing back and forth in my bedroom or even in my bathroom is probably embarrassing because that is the quietest place in this house. Now, in our old house in town, I would go upstairs because during the day the kids didn't go upstairs. We had um, a baby gate because upstairs was just two bedrooms and a tiny landing but I could go upstairs to take a phone call in our bedroom. But here we're all on one level and so I often go in my bathroom which again the kids accept saying, you know, they're not supposed to come in the bedroom and the bathroom is is very quiet. So I often go in there. So those are just you know, that's just a handful of strategies and kind of what things looked like for me when Scott was working. I didn't get as much done and what I did get done was much it was broken up much more depending on because there. I need because kids need mama time, so you can have them occupied with something else, but then they need to come back and connect with you. Um, they may take a nap, but then they need to come back and connect with you. They may be sleeping in the early morning or late at night, but then they need to connect with you. So sometimes that work is more broken up. And that's not as good for getting in the zone, but it is a reality for young moms. If you're studying or need to do a lot of reading for your business, a tip that I learned that I think is a good tip is to basically always have your book with you if possible on your Kindle or carry one of your books with you. Have it close by. And when you have 10 minutes here and there, snatch reading. Again, it's not as good as being able to be in that zone and really focusing on that material But we're also talking about life as a mom and there are some realities there that we just can't get away from. So those are a couple tips for that. Now with Scott home, things have been a lot different for me and it has been rocky for many, many, many reasons. I mean, a layoff is incredibly challenging to any family. A layoff, it was incredibly challenging to Scott emotionally because he had been with the same company for more than 20 years uh, and then another company came and bought them and decided that You know, he was old news. As soon as they were done with him, they kicked him to the curb. And that was tough, you know, so that that was tough for him emotionally than us. We had a relatively set routine, a set homeschool routine, a set time. By that time, um, I had enough kids in school that mornings were pretty much school. And then afternoon, little ones had naps. That was my work time while the older kids, you know, did their thing, seat work or had free time or whatever. And then to bring daddy home is, I mean, it was nice, uh, but there were interruptions. (laughs) There was adjustment period there. And certainly because Scott was struggling um, with a lot of emotions and there was that just that tension of wondering what was going on. What are we going to do? What's the right decision? So it was rocky. But and then once we decided, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to build the family business. There was more rockiness with figuring out, okay, so what's the division of labor now? Because it's very different when you have a spouse home because the division of labor is not, you sit around and play video games all day and I take care of the kids and, you know, bring home the bacon, so to speak. And I'm not saying that Scott did that because he did not. But it did take time for us to figure out. What do you do? What do I do? What's that division of labor? If if Dad's going to be home, and especially if the family business is going to be the business that Mom is really masterminding, um, it's definitely an unconventional arrangement. And if you're a single parent too, you know you have that whole tension of not having a spouse there, but you're masterminding the business and you're trying to balance all the child care and everything, and it can be really tough. Um, I was there, like I said, when I was a single parent of three and I still can't quite figure out how I got through that period in my life. But anyway, so when Scott came home, there was definitely a lot of trial and error. I feel like there's still trial and error as we figure out how do we work together. Um, one of the problems that we have now is like we will get the kids all settled so that they don't interrupt. And then I'll sit down and be focused and then Scott comes in and he's got a questioner. He wants to sit down with me. He wants to go over this or that on the tech back end to make sure it's working the way that I want it to. Or a student or a customer has a question. He needs my input and I'm like, ah, we just got the kids to stop interrupting me. And now you're interrupting me and then I have to... It's just... It's messy, it's messy. Um, so and that's that's not a bad thing. It's just reality, and I'm sharing because that's what you want me to do on this podcast is share real life. But with him home, we have tried a couple different schedules. Like I said, um, if you go to birthbabylife dot slash content, then you'll get that bundle with the work at home mom schedule and the content marketing planner. And you'll be able to look at um, at a schedule that worked for me. And the first schedule that worked for me was uh, was a schedule that was very much morning with the kids centric. And it depended on, you know, Scott was kind of doing his thing in the morning. I was more engaged with the kids. And then in the afternoon, he kind of held down the fort. Um, you'll see that the Thursday schedule was different because my mother-in-law began coming over on Thursdays when I was pregnant with Sadie, and she still does. And so I had a work time in the morning, Um, and actually my whole day looks a little bit more like that now. And then the Friday schedule was a little bit different because there were errands, and then I worked on Sundays. So you'll be able to go through that schedule and see how it worked for me. And those times when I was with the kids were more Scott's work time, and then the times when uh, when I was working was more Scott keeping track of the kids. And that schedule gave me what I felt like was a good balance of being with the kids and family, plus about 25 hours to work every week. And it's, it's hard to explain, so I'm really going to encourage you to go download it and take a look at it. And then I also have an addendum that I added on there not too long ago. Um, and that's the schedule that i'm using now which is a schedule that i feel like is it's inherently a better schedule because like i mentioned before it has me working during my prime time my prime creative time and i it is a hard again there's that tension because also the prime creative time is probably the time when as a mom i'm best able to handle the the complex to use a nice word. Sibling interactions that come up between my kids. It's also the time when I'm at my my, my most creative to help children see the joys of learning and homeschooling. Um, but right now, the business, we're trying to build up the family business, and that really takes a lot of creativity for me. So my work time is in theory from about 7 a.m. to noon right now. Um, it's slightly different on Mondays because I teach Mama baby birthing and smart mama happy baby classes in the afternoon, starting at 2:30. So I stop working on Mondays around 11 a.m., about an hour early, uh, so that we can have lunch and then do school from noon to 2:30. And so Mondays is a really long haul for me because I work in the morning, then I teach, and then I work in the afternoon, and then I've got to handle handle life as a family. Um, but but the other days of the week, it's about 7 to noon. Ideally, we do like family Bible time from 6 to 7 and just talking and like just being as a family, connecting. And then the kids go to do chores. And right now, my little ones spend a lot of time playing outside in the mornings. It's going to take some work as the weather starts getting colder and the snow starts flying and they're not outside playing so much because then I'm going to have to be out. And be a little bit more intentional in the mornings with um, with shepherding them from thing to thing on the schedule until they get used to the routine. And then it'll move a little bit more smoothly. But I am going to have to set up a routine that revolves more around more around play times, more around alone times. But right now I can send them outside, which is a big blessing. Um, I do feel like I get a lot of interruptions. Right now, often it's not little ones that interrupt. It's often older kids and needing to speak with them about attitudes or not doing chores or not doing schoolwork. That, I feel like, interrupts the mornings um, quite a bit. And then sometimes I feel like putting fires out. This is one of those things that I'm talking about as a struggle to balance with Scott. Because he's often trying to get some work done in the mornings right now too, and he'll have something come up and he wants um, me to do something about it or that sort of thing. And it's just, it's really hard. It's something we're still figuring out. How do we balance that? In the afternoons, I'm doing school with the kids. So um, we have lunch around noon and then at 1 I start school and we do school till about 4, though it doesn't, it's not, super hands on with me the entire time. From about one to two, it's really hands on with little ones. From about two to three, it's pretty hands on uh, with the older ones. And then we do some talk about their independent work. Three to four isn't quite as hands on because they're doing more seat work stuff. And they also have another thing that helps is Scott does all their math. So that's all in the mornings. And then they have certain seat work things that they know that they need to do that happen in the morning for my older kids. So they do some schooling in the morning. It's just not school that requires hands-on with Mama. So the hands-on with Mama is all in that afternoon block. And then Scott and I have a period of time that isn't... In, that's in theory our time to talk about business things where we need to talk to each other, but it doesn't always happen that way. Uh, and but and then there's evening, and that's family time. And I try and really guard that. I try not to go back to doing work. I usually take a little bit of time to answer emails in the evening. But otherwise, I'm trying to do supper time, get the kids through chores, and most of all, we really enjoy family read alouds. Uh, we read aloud little ones a couple stories for the little ones, a chapter book for the little ones that everybody listens to, and then we put the little ones to bed, and um, and I read to the older ones. Another thing that's really helped my family is an early bedtime. So the little ones are in bed. Their bedtime's 7:30, but oftentimes I'm it's 7:45, maybe even 8, depending on when we've sat down to read. And then the older ones usually are in bed between 8 and 8:30, again depending on when we've sat down to read. Uh, and then they're up, you know, they're able to read, read books, read on their Kindle. Sometimes they'll sit at the dining room table and work on projects quietly. Of their own. But that's another key that's been really helpful to us is early bedtimes for our kids. But that's kind of a picture of what my day looks like now. It has that morning work time. And that's facilitated by having Scott here. Uh, and on Thursdays, having Scott's mom here. So one of the things to consider when you're working from home is uh, is should you have outside child care. And think about how do you prioritize? When do you do your best work? I've shared some about that tension. Um, I, I'm sorry if a lot of this has sounded more like what my experiences are, not quite as actionable. But I've just, we've been through so many different experiences and I hope that reflecting on that has been helpful for you. But if you're looking for more actionable, what I would take from that is first, how are you going to prioritize? So are you going to prioritize, say, with homeschooling first and then work second? Are you going to prioritize with kids stuff first? Working second, is it going to be kind of a mix throughout the day as you can attend to your child's needs, fill up their cup, so to speak, and then have a little bit of time, which is what it looked like when my kids were younger? Now, today, as I shared for my family, the priority is most of my creative energy is in the mornings, then the kids are in the afternoon, except for that early morning hour when we're all as a family before we disperse somewhat. And then two, also if you've got kids at school, that's probably a little bit more what what things are like when your older kids are at school is because they're gone and so you would naturally use that time for working and and then when they're home it would be more focused on them. So I guess that's kind of what our day is like except our kids are homeschooled. But we have chosen to put the business at that, cre- that strong creative time in the day. For me, that's the strong creative time and the business is there. Now, if your strong creativity comes in the evenings and in the wee morning hours, you might choose to work late, then your entire family <laughs> sleeps late. I would cultivate getting your child on the same sleep schedule that you are, regardless of when your time is. Um, and then, you know, everybody sleeps late, then you get up and you have a more relaxed morning time with them. But basically, you know, basically the day is, is kind of where you have that prime time to do your work. Um, and like I said, you know, if any of my kids tried to get up at 4.30 a.m. when I get up, I would be all about escorting them right back to bed and saying, Look, you sleep. You sleep until 6 when I get you up because that's my time. And so you kind of help. S- adjusting sleep schedules can be very helpful, but look at your energy levels for how do you do that. Um, When do you do your best work? What are your priorities? What do you want to make sure fits in? Like for us, reading at night, that reading time is basically Uh, non-negotiable. It was negotiable for the last two nights because I had a homeschool mom's meeting and then a prenatal for a mom whose birth that I'm assisting at went to her home visit. But outside of something like that, but that's the first time we had missed reading time in like weeks. So outside of that, that family reading time happens. And sometimes there's stress because chores are behind or we've eaten late. And sometimes I feel frustrated because, oh my gosh, I'm going to be reading until 9 p.m. because we didn't stop reading until or start reading until late. But it's non-negotiable. It's got to happen. Another thing that I think is good is to be flexible, Um, like especially if you're homeschooling, realize that sometimes, okay, if things get derailed because X, Y, Z happened Then be flexible with that and realize that there are life lessons in that. I don't think that it's good to be continually derailed so that nothing ever gets done. But sometimes things do derail, do put us behind schedule, and we need to learn to flex and go with the flow. Help our kids see that too. But again, prioritize. Look at when you do your best work. I mentioned already that I always take a day off and that I would encourage you to do that too. Work six days, not seven even if you do not do it for spiritual reasons, which is I mean, that was the real impetus behind us beginning to observe a Sabbath um, is because it gives us more time to focus on the scriptures and uh, and to have family time and just to have time off. But, you know, even if they that spiritual component is not there for you. Just that time off is good. One of the things that I do is if I have business ideas that come to me during that time, I'll often write them down. I will put something on my task list. Um, And then I generally, Saturday night after dark or early Sunday morning, I will go through and I usually have like a queue of stuff stacked up in my task manager that doesn't show up until Sunday. And I will look at that stuff and, and kind of plan out my week from there based upon what else I'm doing, promotional calendars, content calendars, editorial calendars, all the calendars that run my life. Um, I will look at all of that stuff. But then I also, you know, I am That's my time to reflect and plan. So on Saturday, I know that I can put it there and then it's going to get taken care of on that Sunday. And I think also that my creativity, my enthusiasm for the week is much higher after that rest point. I feel refreshed and ready to get into it. So find a day where you can take a day off. And You can't take a day off completely from taking care of your family. Obviously, their needs are still going to be there, though I've gotten pretty good at loading up a couple crockpots. On Friday night, and then I don't have to do really much at all on Saturdays. Um, it's just a time to relax, rest, be refreshed, be with the family, enjoy the family. Um, for us, there's a, you know some studying the scriptures and stuff like that. But that that is a refresher for you. It's good for you. I've already discussed that you may consider childcare. Um, family, like, you know, maybe maybe mom or mother-in-law or isn't grandma, you know, maybe grandma can help some. Sometimes you can hire an older kid. There was one summer where we kind of paid our older kids to take care of their younger siblings during the day. They were able to take them outside. They kept track of them. That worked pretty well. There were some limitations to it, but I think especially if you've got a nice age gap, older teens or something and they want to make some money and there's younger kids and they generally get along well, that that can be a good arrangement. So they're taking care of the kids for a couple hours. Another thing to look at if you don't have those older kids for yourself is a mother's helper who's generally a little bit younger, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old. She comes over while you're there, but she plays with the little ones. And that can give you a nice three to four hour chunk. And usually a mother's helper charges quite a bit less than, say, a nanny or somebody like that would. But I do, I think that it's harder to work from home if you have no child care help whatsoever, but it's doable. But if you can find a way or even sometimes if you can swap childcare with another work at home mom or another student mom where a couple days a week she takes your kids to her place for two, three, four hours, a couple days a week you do the same. That gives both of you a six, eight hour chunk where there's no kids every week that you can count on and if you prioritize that time, sometimes it's really hard because you're just exhausted, but if you prioritize that time you can make good stuff happen During that time, so those are just some various ideas to think about what it's looked like for me. Again, I really want to share the schedules with you so that you can look at those. And I've got this is it's actually like it's actually like eleven pages long, maybe even longer now that I added that addendum. Well, but I would say about eleven pages long that it's got my schedules, I've got a whole bunch of tips, I've got thoughts for making it work, things like using crock pots. Um f- tips for for making the business like if you're working from home for an employer, do what they say. But especially like if you're doing this for a business, do what makes money first <laughs> and then do all the little things. Um After that, so basically I I have a lot of tips, a lot of things that I think will help you. Again, you can check that out um, at milkandmud.com slash content. Check that out milkandmud.com slash content. I think that you'll find that really helpful. Even if you can't just drop my schedules into your life, it's very unlikely that you can do that. But you will be able to take a look at those and say, okay, this is how she did it. How can I adapt this to my life? I think that you'll find that really helpful. With that, um, I think next week we're going to go ahead and talk about uh, some things with birth complications. How do we handle those? We'll talk about homeschooling more in coming weeks. Just a lot of things, like I said, I'm gonna share my family's story eventually. I feel like I have a lot of things to cover. Um, I've been asked to cover the topic of fear of pregnancy, like actually being pregnant, which is kind of an interesting topic. So we'll probably dig into that. A lot of things coming up in the next few weeks that I would love to see you here for. So definitely tune into those. Don't miss getting those schedules and tips at milkandmudcom slash content and watching along with our little project and case study if that's of interest to you, milkandmudcom slash content. Otherwise, I will talk to you next week and I hope this week that you have a blessed week. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.